When you were born, you were given two things that nobody can take away from you. That's what makes you special. Mm-hmm. It's not about how tall you are, what you look like physically, mm-hmm. you know, how well spoken you are, mm-hmm. what your education is. That's not what makes you special. Create your life. Create ta propre vie. Create your life. Create your life. Create la tua vita. Create your life. On skip your life. You better create your life. <laughs> create your life. Create la vie. Create your life. Create your life. People put too much credence on what they think they earn Mm -hmm. and that they have a right. Mm -hmm. I haven't earned anything. Uh, I just simply have just adhered to what my assignment is, Mm -hmm. and the gifts have been given to me to complete my assignment. That's all it is. And what would you call your assignment? So interesting story. Uh, (laughs) My assignment is to heal people. Okay. And um, this really comes from, this really stems from uh, something that my mother, who you used to say all the time. Mm-hmm. She would say, uh, first she would say, baby, you know you are meant to be great. You know mm-hmm. that, right, so baby? You said this to you all the time. All the time, up. growing up. You meant to be great. You know you're meant to be great. Yeah. But then she would say, but you ain't the only one meant to be great. Huh. We're all meant to be great. We all were created to be great. Uh-huh. And she would say, if you truly believe in a God that is omnipotent, that is omniscient, that is omnipresent, he can only create greatness. Average can't even come, doesn't even come into his vocabulary. That's just, doesn't make any sense to him. Perfection wants to create perfection or close to perfection. Right. Doesn't want to create average right. or okay. Nah, not good enough. Right. So you ain't the only one who's supposed to be great. We all supposed to be great. Right. And then she would say, when you were born, you were given two things that nobody can take away from you. That's what makes you special. Mm-hmm. It's not about how tall you are, what you look like physically, mm-hmm. you know, how well spoken you are, mm-hmm. what your education is. That's not what makes you special. Mm. What makes you special are two things. Yeah. Your name right. and the assignment that was given to you on the day you were born. How'd you figure out what your assignment was? You know something? You have to be ready to receive it mm-hmm. because the assignment is a gift. It's nothing that you have to find. You have to be ready to be responsible for that assignment yeah. because she would turn around and say, your greatness will be determined mm-hmm. on how courageous you are to take on the assignment that has been given to you. Mm-hmm. And because most of the time when you figure it out, at least this was for me, I didn't want my assignment. <laughs> That's not what I wanted. I wanted yeah. his assignment. Right. That was the cool assignment over there. So what made you stop and listen to your assignment? Because initially you deflected mm-hmm. it. What, what made you uh, help you? Uh, I had a series, and it's, in, it's, it, it's interesting that you asked that. It, I had a series of occurrences mm-hmm. that took place that I never uh, 
paid too much attention to, mm-hmm. to one day it all flooded back in and not, and then I understood. Mm. So when I was a little kid in, in living in Puerto Rico, I had this little old lady mm-hmm. who looked at me one day and said, you know you're supposed to heal people. Mm-hmm. And she says in Spanish. How you know old you're were you? 11. Okay. And I'm looking at her like, you know, who is this crazy woman talking about <laughs> healing people and all that kind of stuff? And I'm thinking, you know, when, you, when you're thinking about that, I'm thinking – you know, kind of witch doctor, you know, you know, or are you trying to make me to become a medical doctor or what? And which I have no interest in, you know, that kind of stuff. I was like, what are you talking about? And never paying attention. I just kept on walking. And she just said that and I moved on. Mm-hmm. Uh, some 30 years later, mm-hmm. um, I'm living in, uh, for almost yeah, 30 years, I'm living in uh, Bloomington, Illinois. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bloomington, Illinois' sister city or twin city mm-hmm. is uh, Normal, Illinois. Normal, where Illi- Illinois. Normal, Illinois. Where um, uh, uh, Illinois State University is located yeah. in, 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 in Normal. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, used to, I used to look at the college catalog all the time, and I would just take classes. You know, it was just fun. It's just like, is there a good class that I could take? And I got a religion and philosophy. I was in the religion and, religion and philosophy section. Yeah. And there was a class on generational curses and generational blessings. Off the oh, chain. Wow. It was probably one of the best things I've ever done. Amazing class. Okay. Amazing class. And we could talk about that. Like, that is so deep. Uh, it, it's just, it was just a wonderful class. But the professor in the class one day said to me, you know, you, you're supposed to heal people. <laughs> And I'm and I'm saying, what you know? What is this healing thing? Right. Two weeks after that, mm-hmm. I went to a seminar uh, at Gallup. You know, Gallup the poll people. Uh-huh. Well, what a lot of people don't know about Gallup is that Gallup not only just kind of studies trends, but it also it, it's also been studying the subject of leadership mm-hmm. for years and years and years and years and years. Mm-hmm. They wrote a series of books. First, it was the first book was called First Break All the Rules. And the second book like was that. called Now Discover Your Strengths. Uh-huh. And in the second book, it talks about a couple of things. It talks about this whole, this whole notion of what is true leadership. So there's two, there are two theories of leadership. One theory says mm-hmm. in order to be a great leader, mm-hmm. you have to figure out what you're good at. Mm-hmm. Figure out what you're not good at, mm-hmm. and then put a and then and then put a um, uh, uh, then put a plan in place to heal to, to to figure out what you're not good at. So you're gonna get a plan together, mm-hmm. and then turn around, and then uh, 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 put a plan together to fix what you're not good at. Right. The second theory of leadership says, figure out what you're good at. Mm-hmm. Figure out what you're not good at Mm -hmm. and put a plan in place to continue building on what you're good at. Mm -hmm. And on the stuff that you're not good at, you surround yourself with people who are good at those things, Mm -hmm. which made all the sense in the world to me, right? Right. Because why are you trying to to fix the stuff that you're not good at? First of all, you don't like it. Right. Right. That's very true. Uh, you, you know, and you don't understand why you're trying to fix it and you resent it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Right. And so so um, it was just really interesting. And so part part of that book, you take this test 
take mm-hmm. a test. It's 180 questions. Oh, wow. uh, it's a pre- but it's a pretty quick test because they want you to answer the questions like right away. You, you you cannot think about it. Yeah, In yeah. fact, if you take more than 10 seconds to answer the question, it just jumps to the next question. You think about it too much. Oh wow! So you fill it out, uh-huh. and it gives you the order of your strengths. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the the test will only release will only send you your top five, mm-hmm. which are considered your signature strengths according to Gallup. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I see my top five, and then I went uh, and then I went on to school to 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 their to their class, and I got to see all of my strengths in order. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, while I was there, I got to see a counselor, and at the counselor turns around and says, "Let me take a look at your list." Mm-hmm. And when she looked at my list, she just stopped. Mm-hmm. And she said, oh, my goodness, do you realize that you're supposed to lead a movement? Look at your top 10. Mm-hmm. Your top 10 are like, you know, really summarize what you're really about. Mm-hmm. And, when I, and, and when she said that, mm-hmm. and, she said, and I said, why? Why are you saying that? She says, look at, look, look, at, look, look at your top five right here. Connectedness is my number one. The belief that we're all connected, the belief that... Uh, that it's your responsibility to make sure that the other person makes it because you know that if they don't make it, you don't make it. Well, you know, something that I, that I pick up from you, you know, and having seen you, I saw you at the, the first uh, Entrepreneur Summit in Houston, but then meeting you again here, when you say connectedness, I always see, I see your presence. Whenever you're talking to somebody, whenever you're dealing with anyone, you're very present and connected in that moment, and it just spews out in your authenticity oh, and your very transparency. Kind. That, that's very kind. So, yeah, please, please keep telling us. So, connected was num- my number one. Right. Uh, developer was my number two. Okay. Always looking for possibility in an individual. Yeah. What is it that they got that you feel like you can elevate and help them to make better? And how do you help them to forget the stuff that they're not that 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 that's holding them back? Mm-hmm. Gotta just throw it out, throw mm-hmm. it out the throw, mm-hmm. throw it out the window. It's all about what is where you're going, not where you've been. Right. Number three, individualization. Completely focus on what makes you special. Mm. What is the one thing that you've got that nobody else has? And what is that for you, Tony? Oh my goodness! I don't. I don't know that I. <laughs> I honestly don't know have an answer for that. <laughs> um, other than other than the fact that I am, um, I am very much focused on what my assignment is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I believe in my assignment. I know what I'm supposed to do, and I am going to do what I got to do to to do what I am supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know that there's anything you know really special about me other than other than I have been courageous enough to take on my assignment. That's all it is. I think that that's special in itself. Well, Being able to recognize it. You know, you here you are. You talking about something that took place 30, 30 years later. You know, yeah. I mean? being able to listen and identify. You know what? There's still work that I needed to do. Yeah. So with that being said, I want to go ahead and do our intro. So okay. beautiful people, this is the Create Your Life series. I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown, and it's such a pleasure to be here, uh, here broadcasting live from the Black Men Excel Conference here in Florida. And I am here with uh, a very authentic and, and present, connected uh, gentleman who I've had the opportunity to uh, to meet on this, this is the second occasion. Uh, so please, without further ado... Uh, Mr. Tony Wilder, please tell us uh, who you Ta-da-da. are. You <laughs> the crowd goes crazy. 
Uh, Kevin, it is just an honor uh, to be here. My name is, like you said, Tony Waller. I am, uh, I I currently live in the lovely Bentonville, Arkansas. Uh, I am Senior Director, Corporate Affairs, Constituent Relations for Walmart. And in that responsibility, I oversee all of Walmart's efforts in diverse and multicultural communities from a reputation standpoint. I'm looking at how can I find ways that Walmart can be a source and a resource in addressing issues that are important to the community mm-hmm. uh, with ultimately trying to help the community see us not just as a retailer, mm-hmm. but see us as a real valued member of that community. Right, as yeah. a real valued partner in the community. Yeah. Wow. Um, I mean, there's a, enough story in that already with what you're doing with Walmart in order to make sure. I mean, there's so many uh, efforts being used right now by Walmart for what's going on in Houston. Yes, yes. Um, and it's a shame that what's it's, it really is a shame what's happening. They're so sad, very heartbreaking yeah. uh, when you see that, you know, folks have lost it all due to the due to the flooding and lost family members and friends right. uh, that's probably the, the 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 worst part of it mm-hmm. uh is the loss of life that has um that has taken place right. uh but the recovery will start and they're going to do well um and i i can see the tremendous amount of folks who are you know who are supporting and who are doing whatever they can yes. to try to help people out so i'm Absolutely. you know that's always an encouragement and it's interesting uh to see this in comparison to what we saw a couple of weeks ago in charlottesville virginia yeah. You know, so Absolutely. to think that uh, that what we saw in Charlottesville mm-hmm. can kind of make you sad, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. It's moments like what we saw, what we're seeing here in Houston, right. that 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 revives you, that refreshes you, that says this is the America that I know, right? Right, where people collaborate and people yes. love and care for one another. It absolutely makes a, a huge difference. And uh, what are what are some of the, the uh, campaigns or efforts that you're spearheading right now to make sure that Walmart is that community partner and member uh, in a place that's facing such devastation right. as Houston? So as soon as as soon as as soon as we knew that the rain was coming in, mm-hmm. uh, you know we had already we had already arranged us, uh, you know all of uh, many of our. Uh, uh, tractor trailer trucks to be ready to come in to help out where they needed to help out. Right. So uh, it took us a while to get in because yeah. they were waiting to get in, but there were no routes. You know, everything was covered in water, could yeah. not get through. Yeah. Uh, but they finally opened up and we were able to get them through. We made our first initial donation of a million dollars to yeah. the American Red Cross to say, whatever they need, we're going to make it happen. Right. Uh, and then on, on Thursday, um, it was, I'm sorry, on Wednesday, it was announced. Announced uh, that Walmart would Walmart and Walmart Foundation would contribute up to twenty million dollars mm. to the recovery effort, and have looked for ways to involve our customers and associates as well. Mm. So now, if you go into a Walmart store yeah. as a customer or as an associate, mm-hmm. and you want to donate, mm-hmm. you can go to the cash register and say, "I want to donate X amount of dollars," mm-hmm. and Walmart and the Walmart Foundation will double that. So for wow. every ten dollars, we're gonna donate twenty extra. Wow! For every for every box of Pampers that you give, we're gonna give two extra. Wow! So it counts for both merchandise as well as cash. Wow. So um, 
so we'll see how it goes, you know, and we, wa- we wanted to make it easy. I mean, there's so many different ways to be able to right. contribute to this effort between the American Red Cross and all the local nonprofits who are doing this kind of work. Mm-hmm. But sometimes people just don't quite know how to do it yeah. uh, and want an easy way to do it, right? right? And so the easy way to do it is, uh, you know, to like be able to go to the cash register. Don't be shopping anyways. Right, right, go right. to the cash register and say, let me give an extra 10, you know, extra $10 right, right. or $15 no. to help out. And again, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to match it two for one. It seems like you you have the right role, man. Well, so for being a healer, and you know, and that's your assignment in life. You know, you these people who are in desperate need. You know, Houston uh, residents, man. You're you're healing and helping them in in their purposes. So. My question to you is: Have you always uh, worked at Walmart, or like, how did you? No. Where did you start off at, man? You you you're born and raised in Puerto Rico, right? Then you're ambitious enough to move to Virginia, yep, and, and attend uh, University of Virginia. Tell us about growing up in Puerto Rico. So Puerto Rico was a wonderful life, you okay. know, um, very very special. Uh, we we ended up. Well, I ended up in Puerto Rico, or being born in Puerto Rico, mm-hmm. because my because of my father. My okay. father was in construction. He worked for a company in New York, and they asked him to go to Puerto Rico for a year to work on a project. Okay. So uh, he, uh, being way ahead of his time, yeah. said yes. Okay. And went to Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. Loved it so much that after he was there, he came back to the states. He married my mother, and he took her back. <laughs> and I tell my mom all I used to tell my mother all the time how amazing that is to me yeah. because she basically left her mama's home mm-hmm. for the man that she loved mm-hmm. and moved to a foreign land because at that time it was the late 50s at that time Puerto Rico isn't what the Puerto Rico that we know today right you know Puerto Rico right now is just the island you know easy hop skip on the jump of right, you right, there right. but when my mother was there in the late 50s it was kind of like Almost like a foreign land, right? I mean, was it a part of the uh, states at the time? Always been a part of states, yes, since the early 1900s, yes. Uh, and so it's always been a territory, right. but people never really recognized it, right? right. I mean, it was right. just this exotic place, you know, mm-hmm. in the middle of the Caribbean. Yeah. Uh, so here my mom was in Puerto Rico. My dad's going off to work every day. Yeah. So she's in a place where very few people speak English. Mm-hmm. There were we didn't have cable back then, so there was no American. You know, there was there was no English. There was no English spoken on TV. Yeah, yeah. Right. There was one American newspaper. One English. Uh, one English newspaper, okay. El San Juan Star, which is still there, okay. and that was all she had. Mm. You know, it wasn't like she could call home long distance because back then long distance was super expensive. Super expensive. Right. Oh my so, uh, so I said, Ma, you did all that, like going to this place. For love, mm. and I said that's some kind. That's some kind of courage. Some kind of love. Now, that's some kind of love. Like that, that type of love is still uh, still possible today. Oh yeah. oh yeah, oh yeah, most definitely. My parents were married fifty two years. Wow. You know, and um, uh, uh, and so you know, though, and 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 their story isn't um, you know isn't uncommon. You know, right, you they're 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 out there. They're out there. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it just so, takes a little more work yeah. today. Uh, I think there's a lot more. There there are a lot more challenges out there, and distractions. Uh, and, distractions mm-hmm. and life, I think, has become in, in certain ways have become a little more. Com- well, let me take that back. We have made life very complex. Mm. Um, I don't know that life has been complex. I think we make it very complex. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's it's interesting that 
today we live in a time where we know more than we ever have, mm-hmm. and yet we have more questions today than we have ever had. Mm. Uh, and you would think it the other way around, right? right? right, right. I think that when we didn't know as much, life was so much more simple. Yeah. But now that we know too much, it just complicates things. Right, because you're overthinking. You're overthinking it, and you're just, and you're making all kind of excuses, and you're allowing all kind of things, and you 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 accept all mm. kind of things that ordinarily you would never accept. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so growing up there, then you were born. Then I was born. I was born in Puerto Rico uh, and lived there until I was 15. It was a beautiful life. Any siblings? I have a a sister who is uh, 15 months younger than I am, and she was born in Virginia. Okay. Uh, And then I have a brother who's 18 years younger than I am. Okay. So uh, when you say, is that love still possible? Uh, My parents are proof. Having a child 18 years later. Wow. Uh, and uh, he, they're, they're both amazing. I'm very close to both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, uh, we were just texting a few minutes ago. Okay. Uh, my sister was congratulating me on real talk at the real, real talk at the barbershop. Oh, yeah, man, you did an amazing job. Oh, that. you're so kind. But she, <laughs> she was beautiful. She's, I'm so, she's like, "What's up, superstar? I'm so proud of you. Yeah, yeah. It was awesome. I loved it. And of course, I loved your suit. And uh, yeah, 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 that was really great. So she, uh, she said to me. Uh, yeah, I'm really, really proud. I want you to know that how proud of you I was, and yeah. so that really made my that really made my day. Yeah. She's uh, she's uh, she is amazing. Just one of the most amazing people I know, and so is my brother. My brother is uh, just so talented as uh, uh, as a mathematician, as an economist, but also as an artist and a photographer. Mm. Uh, he um, just does amazing work. Just does mm-hmm. a really amazing work. So you come back, you come to the States yeah. at 15. Yeah. This guy has to be a culture shock for you. Very much so. Yeah. So how was that adjustment, um, you know, from PR to... Well, I came excited. You okay. know, I, I came excited for this new adventure, mm-hmm. to be living in the U.S. and be living near my grandparents and folks that I'd spent a lot of time during the summer with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it didn't turn out to be as wonderful as I had hoped. Mm-hmm. It was a very difficult transition for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I moved back to the to the U.S. in the seven in the late seventies, mm-hmm. where uh, you know black and white issues were still. Uh, quite prevalent. You know, people were feeling pretty raw, Mm -hmm. you know, with them. And being in a very deep South, uh, like I was in Southern Virginia, Mm -hmm. you know, you really saw it even more. And so uh, it was difficult because... Um, you know, in this, in, in here in the U.S. in particular, we have we have this habit of wanting to categorize things and people. Mm-hmm. We want to put labels on them, mm-hmm. and so uh, back then, pretty simple. You yeah. were either black or, or you white. were white. Yeah. Things were black or things were white, yeah. and there was no in between. Yeah. So here comes this kid <laughs> with dark skin, right? But a thick Spanish accent. Because I used to talk like this all the time. They didn't know what to do with that. Interesting. So they were like, you're not black. But for obvious reasons, for obvious reasons you're not, not white, white either. Huh, so you're kind of in between. And what they knew of oh, Hispanics God. at that time right. were Mexicans mm-hmm. who were migrant workers mm-hmm. who, came, who came to Southern Virginia to help with harvest. Well, I didn't look like them either. So I wasn't, I wasn't Mexican. Mm. Right. So um, so it, it was a challenge because I had nowhere to fit. 
And you know that when you're 15, 16, yeah. you're just trying to figure out who you are right, and where right, you, right. you know, where you can be and who, what's your group and all that. Well, no one was giving me a chance to figure that out because as far as they were concerned, you couldn't be you, you you're not really part of us. So how did you navigate that? Honestly, I had um, uh, it was counseling. I mm-hmm. believe it or not, back at that age, I had a counselor. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was in the middle of a counseling session mm-hmm. that I kind of had a revelation, which probably changed my life forever. Okay. And so uh, I'm having this discussion with this counselor, and I said, I really don't understand this. I try so hard to fit, and I put in all this energy trying to fit in, and nobody will let me. Mm -hmm. And right then and there, I had an aha moment. Well, if I'm putting all this energy in trying to fit in, Mm -hmm. what would happen if I put the same kind of energy in trying not to fit in? Mm. And that forever changed my life. Wow. So I, from that point on, mm-hmm. totally focused on not fitting in. I didn't want to be categorized. I didn't want a label. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm, I'm still that way today. And I think that what's, what's important about what you just said is, is a couple of minutes ago, uh, you answered a question. You were asked, you know, if you were uh, Spanish. And you said, I'm whatever you want me to be. So I think that really speaks to that. But having, you know, being in high school, were you in high school? In it was in high school, Yes. Who encouraged you to go ahead and go to a counselor? Because oftentimes mental health or, you know, seeing a counselor and stuff like that is looked down upon. Yes. Whereas in reality, it could be such an, uh, you know, such an advantage or such a breakthrough for someone. Believe it or not, my, my, my parents, mm-hmm. my parents were the ones mm. because they recognized that they didn't know what to do. Right. And so they needed help. Mm. And so they said, we got to find you some help because otherwise you ain't going to make it. Okay. And I can't have my child not making it. Right. So that's how it all happened. And, and your parents, uh, yeah. where, where were they from, or were they both of them from Danville, Virginia, or really, really Dry Fork, Virginia, which is Pennsylvania County. It's 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 a little little, little county town, mm-hmm. you know, outside of uh, outside of Danville, Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, my uh, mother um, uh, graduated from high school. That was her highest level of education. Mm-hmm. Uh, and after high school, she ended up working cleaning homes for some of the wealthy families of, of Danville. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, my father graduated, uh, never graduated from school. He stops, he finished school. Uh, his last grade was seventh grade. Mm-hmm. And like in many, like for many families, uh, my, my, my grandparents were farmers mm-hmm. and my father dropped out of school so that my other aunts and uncles could finish their education. Right. He was the oldest. Right. And so he stayed and worked on the farm with my dad. Mm. Or my granddad. So where you having the extensive career that you've had, which we'll get more into, what did you say, what would you say your sense of work ethic came from? Oh, definitely from both of my parents. I mean, Mm -hmm. they were both very hard workers and believed that uh, that you could do uh, and be whatever if you worked hard at it. Yeah. Um, And we were never really given an opportunity to be lazy. Yeah. I mean, it was just unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents also uh, were very intent in making sure that we were self-sufficient. Yeah. My mother would say, I don't want you having to be in a relationship or marry somebody because you need somebody to take care of you. 
Mm. You need to be able to take care of yourself. Yeah. And so uh, my sister and I ran the household. I mean, that was our responsibility. So whether it was washing dishes, mopping floors, doing the grocery shopping, paying bills, um, mowing the lawn, you know, putting a button on a shirt, ironing, whatever it was, we learned how to do all that stuff, cooking, baking. We learned how to do all of those things because she never wanted us to be you know, uh, to, be, to be dependent on right, anybody right. that we should be able to be that that our that our reason for being dependent on somebody should be a choice, mm. right? It should not be because you have no choice. Mm. It should be mm. a choice. And okay. so um, it's always interesting. You know, people will say every once in a while I will do certain things, and mm. they just look at me in shock and awe, like like you know how to do that. Such a uh, good and, example. And, and, you know, so I was in, uh, I was in, uh, I went to South Africa. Um, oh, what city? Uh, Johannesburg, Rustenburg. Rustenburg is outside of Johannesburg. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I went to work with um, children with HIV, uh, mm-hmm. AIDS, uh, and abused children. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, we were in this or- this kind of camp slash orphanage working. And uh, I was helping to be, I was in the nursery, mm-hmm. and we were helping to put in a new bathroom. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I'm walking around. I have the commode in my hand. I, you know, I'm getting ready to put it on. I know how to bolt the thing down. And they're looking at me like, oh, my goodness, you know how to do that? Uh, yeah, my dad was a plumber. I learned how to do this kind of stuff <laughs> because he wanted me to learn. Yeah. Now, keep in mind there's a difference. There's a difference in knowing how to do something mm-hmm. and choosing to do something. I Very know true. how to do a whole lot. <laughs> I choose not to do it. But if I have to, you... I will. Right, right. Uh, 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 they were laughing at me the other day because uh, before, I, before I came here, mm-hmm. the thermostat in my air conditioner went out. Okay. And I was some kind of man. <laughs> and so people said, and so people said, so what did you do? I said, I went to Walmart, I bought a thermostat, I came in and I installed my thermostat because I did not want to come home on Sunday with a house that's burning up hot, me mad because I didn't do anything about this air conditioner and still have to go to Walmart and get one or pay an arm and a leg to have an air conditioner repairman yeah. come in on a Sunday to fix my AC. Well, I didn't want to do that. Right. There are better things I can do with my money, like mm-hmm. a new pair of shoes. <laughs> like a new pair of shoes, like those orange drivers you had on. Yeah, a little something, something, you know, like you know, I rather I rather spend on an orange pair of drivers than than than, yeah, than, a, than a repair that. person, right, right, especially right. when I know how to do it. So yeah. I went and I fixed it before yeah. I started packing to come to this trip. I fixed my AC. Yeah, I, I like that. Uh, do it yourself. You kind do of man. you do it yourself. Now again, I choose right. not to do it very often. Right. But if I have to do it. I'm sure glad I know how to do it. Yeah, and the no, the no matter. So right. That being said, you have uh, you you graduated high school MBA. Yes. And then you went ahead and went to the University of Virginia. Correct. Where you studied. I created my own major. Of course you did. <laughs> of course you did. Okay, what was that? Well, they didn't have what I wanted. Okay. So there was a program there called the Interdisciplinary Study Program uh-huh. that you could create your own major. Yeah. Uh, UVA was not my first choice. Okay. Georgetown was my first choice. Okay. I wanted to go to Georgetown. I wanted to go to the School of Foreign Service, which I got in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uni- the University of Virginia, mm-hmm. 
gave me a lot of money to yeah. go to, to, and, that to, to, to and that mattered. And so my dad was like, whoa, hold up, hold up, hold up. I think we really should take this take this real because it takes a real consideration here with the yeah, school. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, I won't even that was that was too uh real for me. Yeah. I was I had to think the lofty. Right, I right, want right. the I want to be at Georgetown and be around all these international, you know kids who know all these things about the world and I want to be part of that. You know, I'm going to be a diplomat and this is the only way I can make it happen. That kind of mentality, right? So uh, he and I end up compromising. He says, I just go to UVA for a year. Mm -hmm. And if you absolutely hate it, We'll, we'll, we will transfer you to Georgetown. Okay. Well, I ended up falling in love with the school. Of course. Got, the, got me hooked. The challenge was that uh, their, their international relations program was a little too stringent for me, too mm-hmm. strict. They basically told you exactly what you were going to take mm-hmm. every year. And I wanted to have choice. Right. So when I went to my guidance counselor there, she said, well, why don't you just create your own major? I said, what? Yeah. She said, yeah, you can do that. And so my job was to put a put a put put a series of classes together mm-hmm. and call it something. Yeah. So I did an interdis- interdisciplinary study in Latin American affairs, mm-hmm. concentrated in Latin American business. Okay. And so um, took classes from all kind of departments. I loved it. I took. Sp- Classes in Spanish and classes in Portuguese, and I took architecture classes, and I took a law school class, I took uh, b- a couple of business school classes, plus the regular history and government and that kind of thing. It was it was awesome. It was just awesome. One of the best experiences of my life. And in fact, now it's actually an official major at the University of Virginia. But when I took it, it was just a thing I created. See, man, you trailblazing. Yeah, I don't know man. about all that, create, man. Create your life, create your major, man. You yeah, know. it was fun. It was really fun. It was just really. Really, really a wonderful experience, okay. and that's the op- and and you know and from so many for for so many young people in college, that's when you really get to blossom and yeah. be who you want to be and need to be, and you get to test the waters a little bit, exactly. and and people give you the opportunity to test those waters, yeah. right? Your friends give you an opportunity to test it. Your your teachers give you, and the administrators give parents, you, you know, everybody. parents. Everybody gives you a little bit of permission. So that was probably the the uh, the one of the most um, enlightening times of my life. Literally. Liberating, best four years of my life. Never wanted to leave school, um, and so very, very happy that I had the opportunity. Uh, so very, very happy. And uh, what is I have to I have to tell you what is so wonderful is back at that time, you know, you didn't have a whole lot of. A, a, a ton of black kids mm-hmm. going to UVA. You had some. Yeah. I mean, it, it, we, we kind of became like the renaissance of this influx of African-American students studying at the at, at UVA. Mm-hmm. And so I would say from 79 to 88, it was an amazing time. Mm-hmm. And to this day, I am so close mm-hmm. to those to, 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 to those students during those years, from seventy nine to eighty eight, even years, e- even if I don't know where to find them, mm-hmm. I know who knows. I know who knows. You know where they, who can find them for me, where mm-hmm. they are. Mm-hmm. So we are still very very much a close bunch. Mm-hmm. In fact, there are a couple of them here that wow. I went to school with, wow. uh, who are here at the conference, and we talk about this stuff all the time. You yeah. know, uh, and it's wonderful to get together, and we have a good time, and uh, and it's wonderful to see how how great some of these folks are doing. You know, folks who are you know captains of industry doing their own thing. Uh, you know, uh, you know, serious entrepreneurs who are just blowing up. You know, serious folks who are judges and. 
uh, uh, district attorneys and, uh, you know, heads of corporations and heads of their own business. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I went to school with these folks. Yeah. And these are black people. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> Doing it up, yeah. right? You're going to be real proud. Making Dude, you real I'm, proud. I'm so excited about the fact that you're just happy for other people. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I feel like that's a part of, you know, your assignment that, that you spoke about earlier is just, you know... If other people don't succeed, then you don't succeed. Correct. And, and I really, like, I legitimately believe in that. Yes. That's why I even, you know, to have the radio show and the podcast and uh, the, the brand to create your life, it's like, yo, how did you do this? And so how can other people literally yeah. mimic your success? Yeah. They could, you know what I mean? So everybody wins. My mother, um, uh, I attribute that to my mother also. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mother used to always say, please be careful mm-hmm. of what you say. Mm-hmm. And how you say it mm-hmm. to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Because you have no idea where they came from mm-hmm. before they connected with you. Mm-hmm. You don't know if they had some tragedy happen that they're not showing at all, mm-hmm. but they could have had a big old fight with somebody. They could have gotten bad news before they saw you. And what you say or do can make their lives just a little bit better mm-hmm. or it can send them deeper into the hole that they are. Mm. And so what do you want to be responsible for? Right. You know, and so uh, I've always taken that to heart. Uh, when I was younger, I had a very, I had a very big temper. And she, that was the way for her to say to, her, to, to me, you need to watch that temper because mm. you just don't know what it's going to do to somebody else. You got to watch out for yourself. And so um, I've always taken that to heart. And, mm. um, and and to your point, I'm a real believer that I that that, that we are all connected and based on who we are mm. and based on what we do, it makes all the difference in the world. Mm. There's a South African term called that, that 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 there's a South African term called Ubuntu. Mm-hmm. Ubuntu. Ubuntu. Yeah, yeah. I am because and we are. are. Yep. And so I really believe that. Yeah. You make it, we make it. Yeah. You don't make it, we don't make it. And so, um, you know, I, I, you know it's, it's, it's important that we watch out for each other, mm-hmm. you know, because you might not see it today, mm-hmm. but whatever, whatever happens to them mm-hmm. is going to have an impact on you. Right. And, you know, it's, it's amazing to have an impact on other people's yeah. uh, yeah. legacy. Because yeah. that's what actually lives on, is your impact and your ability to help others. Cyborg. Yes. Johannesburg is my favorite city in the world. It is, huh? It is, man. I oh, my goodness. It was, it was uh, such an incredible uh, experience. And that trip was an incredible trip. Yeah, I can only imagine. It, it, it was just tremendous. And uh, it started off very, very interesting because mm-hmm. we, in, we were in Chicago at O'Hare. Mm-hmm. And the route was supposed to be O'Hare to Amsterdam and then Amsterdam to Johannesburg. Mm-hmm. Well... The plane had all kind of issues. Oh, no. And so we sat around in Chicago forever waiting for, for a part to be flown in because at the time it was KLM. And so we were waiting for a part to be flown in from Detroit to be put on this plane. So the part gets here. The they couldn't switch the plane. So we yeah. waiting for the part. We get on board only for the pilot to say, well, uh, we can't fly all the way to Amsterdam. Because it will go over our allotted hours of flight. <laughs> so we're going to fly you to Iceland. Oh. And a crew in Iceland will then take the plane from Iceland to Amsterdam and then down. Well, the crew never showed up in, Amst- in, in Iceland. Oh, 
So did you get off and go to the... Oh, my goodness. No. I was so upset. We ended up being in Iceland for like eight hours. And I was like, if we're going to be here this long, we could have left here. But they kept telling us, oh, in 30 minutes, we're going to get ready to go. In two hours, we're going to get ready to go. So we did. But I tell you, just being in the airport of Iceland... Amazing the bomb diggity. That <laughs> airport is the bad. You would you say Iceland? That airport was the baddest airport I've ever been to in my life. Wow. Hot. Everybody walking through the airport. Hot. Like, like the fashion in Iceland, y'all ain't no joke. Hot, <laughs> hot, 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 hot. Okay. I just wanted to see what the rest of it looked like because yeah. it's so you know amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just knowing that I have a chance that I can say that I've been to Iceland. Okay, yeah, yeah. I've been to the airport, but I've been to Iceland. Right, right, it, was, it was well worth the experience for me. Yeah, yeah. You know, but we got to Johannesburg. What it was, was just favorite, really great. Give us like three takeaways uh, of your favorite things about Johannesburg. Uh, one, the people. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Brilliant people. Mm-hmm. To stand around people who can, who can speak five or six languages. Yes. You know, no problem. Mm-hmm. And these are little kids, right? Yeah. Some of them living in shanties, you know, in shanty towns and little mm-hmm. shacks, mm-hmm. but they can speak five languages. Right. And yet we're going to have the nerve, right, mm-hmm. to belittle them as if, right. you know, they what they own determines who they are. When these kids are brilliant, right. five languages, and you can only speak what? One? Oh, yeah. come on now. Yeah, yeah. Give them, give, give credit where credit is due. Absolutely. Uh, two. The scenery mm-hmm. is just magnificent. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and it was breathtaking in, in it was breathtaking in two senses. Breathtaking because you saw the opulence mm-hmm. that exists in, 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 in Johannesburg, mm-hmm. homes with 24 karat gold domes on them, and you know, all this craziness, right? Mm-hmm. But then breathtaking because right next door to it mm-hmm. could be a shack made of cardboard and whatever trash it's around, mm-hmm. you cannot escape mm-hmm. poverty right. in Johannesburg. Mm-hmm. Here in the U.S., we can escape it. If we don't want to see it, we don't have, don't to. have to. It's yeah. kind of you know, over there, and mm-hmm. I don't have to cross over to right, that right, side right. to see it. I can mm-hmm. pretend like it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. You can't do that in South Africa because okay. it's literally everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then lastly... Um, uh, just, I, I had the opportunity to go on a um, uh, on a, a photography safari, okay. right? So to go into the reserves and to see, uh, yes, uh huh, okay, okay. to go into the reserves and to see up close, you know, these 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 magificent animals. Dude, I didn't know that a lion's head was literally this big. That I big, had no right? Idea about that, right? And I didn't know that they were so long. Like these things are massive. Massive. I did not know that they were that massive. And so just having that experience was just like just amazing. Oh, and I have to talk about it. The food off the hizzy. Oh, did you go to Brompton? Oh no, I didn't. Oh, but what time of year were you there? Uh, I was there in July, so okay. it was you, you know go in like Christmas, New Year's uh-huh, time. Uh-huh. They have so you know summer there. And yeah, they have right. This, um, in Brompton, they have like this art festival going on, but they had like a, literally a pay, plate of paella as big as this table. <sighs> And I mean, it was the best paella. It was the first place I had peri peri. Have you had peri peri? Okay. No, I don't. It's think like I this spicy. Uh, it's like a spicy sauce that you that you 
put over like chicken and beef, but it's just, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is super duper spicy. Okay. You talking about, you talking about good. Oh my goodness. So good. It was just amazing. <laughs> so my first time having Perry Perry. So now there's, there's Perry Perry now in the US. Oh, uh, oh, Na- the, like yeah, Nando's Perry Perry yeah, chicken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the original place of Perry Perry is South Africa. Did you have bunny chow? Yes. And I, I, I and I was I like, I was like, I was like, I don't know if I can do that. But it, it was, it's well worth it. Yeah. And it's just well worth it. You're going to love it. Okay. okay. You, got, you, got to, you got to check it out. All right. So you graduated from UVA. Yes. Uh, you Explain to me this time frame. 79 to 88? Yeah. Well, you know, it's like when, when, you know, when I entered, I entered the class of 80. Yeah. You know, or, uh, the class of 84. So 1980 was my first year. So while I was there my first year, it was a senior year. For those who are in the class of seventy nine, got you. So that you so I was there early, like I, I I went to school early. So right, yeah. so I got to meet a lot of seniors who were graduating yeah, 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 that yeah. year, right. So, but my start, my class was just getting ready. The class of eight, the 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 the, the school year of eighty starts, yeah. you know, right then. Mm-hmm. So I got to meet them, and then when I was in class, when I was class of eighty four, right. See, I was a, I was fourth year, but all the first year students were coming in who are now being the class of, who are now the class of eight of eighty seven and eighty eight. Right, right, right. So that's how you get to see the sp- you know you get to meet the span yeah. of all these all these folks yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and so um, I never thought about it from that perspective yeah you almost you, you 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 almost think about your your school as those four years right right, right? right. but you end up you end so up knowing bigger. people Even people before you yes like you absolutely mm. who are who who will graduate you know who graduate who are going to graduate when you go in right. so uh, you know so I knew people from, from class of seventy nine to the mm-hmm. class of eighty eight. So what happened once you graduated? What was, what was your uh, I ended up moving from Charlottesville, Virginia, mm-hmm. uh, where UVA is, to Washington, D.C. Okay. Uh, getting closer to Georgetown? Getting closer to Georgetown. Right. And it was kind of a natural migration mm-hmm. because so at that time, so many kids from D.C., Maryland, mm-hmm. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. New York, it was, the, it was the school of choice for so many African-American students in the Northeast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so the majority of my friends were from D.C. Yeah. And so I knew I wasn't going to go back to Danville after graduation. Yeah, of course. And so I just moved where my friends were. Mm-hmm. And they were in D.C. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I ended up there. Okay. And what did you do in D.C.? What, in D.C., you- my first job was working for a company by the name of State Farm. Okay. And so in state, at State Farm, I was a claim rep. And I managed auto claims okay. for a state farm. Okay. Uh, great experience, wonderful company. Uh, so wonderful that I was at that company 22 years. Wow. And so um, did a lot of things. I mean, I did all kind of crazy jobs for, for them. Okay. All kind of crazy jobs. I started in claims, and I, then I helped to automate our claim system, and then I became a trainer for the company, and then I did special project works for the executive office there, and then, uh, uh, and then I went into to public affairs, and then corporate called me and said, we want you to come to Bloomington, Illinois. Okay, so that's um, how I ended up there. And so that's how I ended up in Bloomington. I was in Bloomington for eight years doing a number of different things. I first started out uh, leading uh, Walmart's efforts in the, I mean, Walmart, State Farm's efforts in the African-American community. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, so was that you that got the dad from uh, Love and Basketball? No, no, that wasn't me. <laughs> I, 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 wish I, I wish I could claim that, yeah. uh, but I didn't. It was uh, it was a lady by the name of Pam Eel, okay. uh, who at the time was the uh, 
who was the time was vice president of marketing, uh, one of the baddest sisters I know. She currently is the chief marketing officer for the National Basketball Association. Hey, 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 hey. Yeah. she a bad sister, hilarious, Sounds funny, like and one of my dearest friends in the whole world. But okay. she's the one who, who really revolutionized uh, everything at State Farm. And when you look at all those commercials that you see right now, right. Pam Ear was the one that made that happen. You mm. know, I tell people all the time, don't get it twisted. Now, now uh, State Farm knew what they got when they got her. Right. And I'm glad y'all continue doing what you're doing. But if it weren't for Pam Eel, y'all wouldn't have what y'all got right now. It's the, it's the baddest thing ever. Mm. Uh, but uh, I was there for, um, so I did that for a while. I did public affairs mm-hmm. uh, for for um, uh, for State Farm. And then uh, I got a call from Walmart. Yeah. A lady by the name of Esther Silver Parker, another bad sister. Esther Silver Parker. One of the most regal, fabulous black women I have ever met in my life. Mm-hmm. And so Esther had been hired by Walmart to help develop their diversity inclusion program. Mm. And so she came on in and you know did her thing. And one day she calls me mm-hmm. and says, Tony, I got this job and you're the only one I want. Mm. So what do I have to do to get you to come work for me? Yeah. And I said, Miss Esther, I love you, but there ain't no way I'm working for Walmart, and there ain't no way I'm moving to Bentonville, Arkansas. Hi, I'm Diane. I have a daughter, Nikki, and she's a senior at high school. She just got accepted for early decision into college. Prior to taking Kevin's program, we were pretty overwhelmed because her college debt after her merit scholarships looks like it's going to be about $150,000 in four years. Feeling pretty overwhelmed about that $150,000 potential debt. I decided to enroll in Kevin's debt-free college academy full course program. And I have to say the value for the money uh, for what we got out of the program was absolutely amazing. Kevin takes you step-by-step with many, many different tips and many different strategies for not only the student, but for us as parents, for our student, things that we can do to really help save money and prepare. If you or your child are looking to save money on college costs, sign up for Debt Free College Academy today at DebtFreeCollegeAcademy.com using coupon code FREECOLLEGE. Beautiful people, if you enjoyed this episode of the Create Your Life series, be sure to download it from our podcast, which is available on CreateYourLifeSeries.com, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Music. Also, be sure to leave a review of the podcast. You can catch us live on Sundays from 5.30 to 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time via 90.3 FM in New York or on Facebook Live at facebook.com backslash kevbrown1. We encourage you to participate in the conversation on Facebook or call in at 212-650-6903. Follow us on Instagram at CYL Series and at Kevin Y. Brown. Be blessed, and we'll see you back here live next week. Life. Create your life. Create your life. Create your life.